we've got questions, then we've got answers. Hey listeners, welcome to Injury Time Footnote, where we answer all your questions. Since this week there were far too many questions, we decided to make a separate episode out of this, which we hope to continue in case the questions keep coming in like this. So without further ado, I'm going right in with my Q&A session with uh, Dibayan. Let's go first with uh, Ashwin Gopinath, who is at Nyan Ashwin. He says, how much of a loss is Miku? Replace or stick with him? Which is the better option? Um, Considering he'll be out at least till January and we don't really know how long. Yeah. And also there is also speculation that he wanted to move. He never really hit the fact that if he uh, offer came along, he would like to move on. So of course. So uh, it, I guess it depends in a sense on what he wants to do. Uh, but I would always stick with him because he has been a very good player for BFC. And uh, you can see that, you can sense that in the way that he plays. That it's not just about what he brings in terms of goal scoring ability, but also his overall game intelligence, his understanding with Sunil Chetri. All of that works out very well for BFC. So. In all respects, I would try and retain him, but if he, you know, asks for an astronomical fee, then it's up to the management. They've probably got to start looking for potential replacements, but it'll be very hard to fill his shoes. Yeah, and there is also his reputation. Just him being there takes a defender's yeah, and a little he, bit off. And I think alongside Koro, probably, like, you know, the two best uh, foreign players in the ISL, if not the best players, because they can make things happen out of nowhere. So that's, that's their ability, which you need in a tough game where your opposition, say, like the... Delhi match. Mm-hmm. Delhi has you pinned down, has, you know, uh, the ball. And exactly. Yeah. Dominates possession, but you need that outrageous bit of skill to be able to just separate the two teams, and that's what Miku brings. Uh, now, moving on to a few questions from Anup Menon at Menon Kid. He's asked three. I think we already touched on one of them. The Chennai in question. Yeah. And uh, the other question is are BFC playing well or are the other teams just playing not well enough? Um, I honestly, I don't think even BFC are playing very well. So uh, we were just having this discussion the other day with one of my colleagues at ESPN, Anirudh. Uh, he and I were just, just discussing that. Uh, There are two ways of looking at it. One is that the hallmark of a great team is that it wins even when it's not playing great. But the worrying side of it is that in a league, that's a very good thing to have. But in a tournament effectively like this, once you get to the playoffs, then you can't afford to have an off lane. So from time to time, they are being overrun by their opponents, but they're still getting those results. But will they be able to maintain that kind of form even in the playoffs if they have an off day? So that's the worrying thing if I'm a BFC fan from that perspective. What I would like to see from them is a bit more consistency. They have been good and uh, if you notice they've won a lot of games late. So that's probably one edge, huge edge that they have over the opposition is that they tend to keep sort of ticking over till the last minute. And I think that's also down to the fact that they're much more of a you know, a proper team which has uh, experience of playing in the I-League in the past. They know how long leagues work and everything. I mean, of course, all of them are professional footballers, so they, they all know how it happens. But in the case of the ISL, remember that it's the extended season for either the first or the second time for most of these teams. Uh, BFC have the advantage of having played in the I-League since 2013-14. So they know how to pace themselves across all the matches that you play in a league. And I think that's what we are seeing with them. We are seeing that maturity. This is a tough phase for them because there's lots lots of games coming thick and fast 
and let's see how long they can keep up that winning momentum more than winning i think even staying unbeaten will be a huge boost for them and before the start of the season when i looked at the squad i did not think they would be this far ahead of the other you know but other teams were better in terms of squad depth now they have few injuries uh, yeah. few suspensions here and there might come in place so yeah. i think that's going to be even more challenging because it will but uh, i mean i would look at it differently i would say that just looking at the squads and just looking at the experience that they bring uh, the quality of the indian players i think the only team which can seriously challenge them really is goa i mean on paper so would chennai but uh, it's not worked out very well for them so it's i mean bangalore and goa should be one and two in my opinion unless uh, some of the other teams have a really inspired second half of the season and another question that he's gone on to is how does the fan culture of intimidating opposition grow in a prudish country like india it's a slightly longer question but this is the gist of it yeah in fact i was listening to a podcast i think of the west block blues and they were talking about this issue and straight out of blue yeah blocks or something a, yeah. a 15 lakh fine or something being talked yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, from what i understood and abusing the referee yeah, yeah yeah what i understood from what uh, the guys over there were saying and i i can't obviously confirm this because i haven't been to a lot of the games outside of bangalore what they were saying is that there are some double standards at uh, play here because apparently a lot of it also happens at some of the other venues if that is the case then that's quite unfortunate um because yes fan culture should be uh, ideally it should be you know very respectful and you know people should come and behave like good boys and girls and you know just watch a football match appreciate the skills but that's not how it works out as long as there's no you know personal abuse or or no uh, racial abuse i think a little bit of banter should be fine i mean one shouldn't really get too uh, caught up in what words uh, fancy or anything because fans will always try and put off the opposition players and i remember i, I saw this uh, distinct uh, shift in culture pretty much with bfc arriving in the i league because even before that there's been uh, individual cases of you know abuse and heckling and everything in kolkata derby i mean being in the center of a kolkata derby between mohan bagan and he's been called uh, it really enhanced my uh, bangla vocabulary of abuse <laughs> but it was all uh, i wouldn't say like well meaning but it was all harmless banter most of the time and it was always almost always in an individual capacity and uh, certain people like you know going after certain you know stands and blocks and everything but yes i mean it used to be said i know of a lot of you know female fans who would feel very uh, insecure about going to the ground in a big game like that simply because of the language used so you ideally you don't want that you want a football match to be something that you can take your whole family to Uh, but i mean if you have fans shouting out uh, slogans which have a few cuss words I, i don't think that should really matter too much so i think we all need to sort of grow up and just allow fans to be fans yeah. as long as there's nothing personal sometimes you don't understand what they say also because <laughs> you know yeah. some of us don't hear very well but uh, touching on staying on that topic in itself uh, i wanted to ask two things one they find for abusing the referee and we have seen this happen sometimes it's the right call and he still gets abused yeah. may may not be from india only so he doesn't probably know what they say <laughs> but uh, what do you think of abusing the official who is what part of the game isn't it to kind of intimidate your force him to kind of give you the benefit of the doubt as well well it shouldn't be i mean uh, but again that's down to the officials i mean for for instance i think uh, last night's game the atk chennai when atk got their second penalty call a lot of the chennai players were going right up in his face and a few of them even touched the referee and honestly in a situation like that like like that a referee has to put his foot down and ideally flash a red card hmm. because there should be no handling of the referee 
and uh, i mean if teams are smart enough what they have to do is they have to incorporate a culture of uh, befriending the referee before the game yeah. making sure that you are you know you chat a little bit with them you, you ask them about what's going on in their lives uh, i think we had this recent instance um, i'm not sure in which league but uh, i think one of the officials had just lost his mother and i think there was a nice clip of one of the players i think maybe in the premier league or maybe in the champions league somebody who went up and then spoke to this person i think it was virgil van dijk yeah exactly yeah, yeah, commiserated with the yeah, yeah. with the official because his mother had just passed yeah. away so that's the kind of referee player relationship you want because yes once the you know whistle goes off it's all serious business but at the end of the day your colleagues in a sense you're out there on the field and you don't want anything personal out there happening and any bad blood between you know any of the officials so i think it's it's just a need to be a a little bit more mature on every side both officials they need to be a little strict they need to set i always like uh, referees who are strict and who set the record very early you know if you see a harsh tackle coming in just give a yellow card set the tempo yeah i mean you can still go and have a chat with them and tell them that you know next time you do this i will give you a yellow card but there's no harm in sort of making sure that you get the message out early that you will brook no nonsense and it's the same for players i mean you you're out there you're doing a job of course sometimes you will miss time a tackle sometimes you will do something which is rash you will be penalized for it but you can't afford to uh, get carried away and start abusing left right and center and uh, also something i noticed and since you were someone who covered game across the country of the kolkata atk when they play the sometimes it's just silence you can hear the crowd there's no sound from the crowd you can hear the passes you can hear players shouting yeah. the coach shouting and i heard that also in mumbai yeah but is is there something uh, disconnect between the atk and the fans because they already have two very established clubs and in addition they have mohammedan sporting and few other clubs there as well of course yeah and i mean atk the first couple of seasons um, the first three in fact they were popular because of two reasons one they were winning and secondly there was no concurrent i league going on at the time so that made a huge difference because uh, the, the larger fan base in kolkata is pretty much traditional i mean there'll always be a east bengal mohan bagan and or a mohammedan sporting fan in every household so if you have those fans it's very hard for them to warm up to something which is in a sense very new very artificial and i mean that's that's just the truth of it coming across so you'll probably have a lot of paid fans <laughs> i can vouch for the fact that yes uh, especially when mumbai city used to play in uh, the uh, dy patel stadium they used to have a lot of reliance employees coming in as fans so <laughs> they weren't really mumbai city fans authentic ones but uh, i mean no slagging the club because yeah. they have their fans now who mm. you know make their presence felt on social media i think uh, their performances have improved as well so it's given them something to cheer for and that's one another team which is in the running for the top four places and you know if they do it that will be great for their fans moving on to vivek vyats uh, question this is at vivek_vyat he said what's the relevance of playoff matches could chetri's video and bfc's unbeaten run lead to aff considering playoff position for topping the league i think he means afc cup spot so let's assume that and yeah so it will be very interesting how aiff takes this up because uh, as of now obviously the i league is the official entry into the afc champions league so that's what we know for the next season that's 2020 after that 2021 what situation we reach at uh, where i league stands a lot so many questions which are in the dark but yes personally like i said i would either do away with the playoffs completely or try and have a relook at them and incentivize finishing within the top 
And yeah, the ideal solution would be to have maybe one slot for the league topper and one slot for the champion. However, you arrive at that. And yes, if you know the champion is the league topper, then you give it to the runner-up. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just confuses everybody, and it just makes the last few matches. I mean, we are already a little more than halfway through the league, and you can see that BFC are on top. And unless something cataclysmic happens, they will end up topping. So it just renders their remaining matches a little bit irrelevant, and it's worsened by the fact that there is no relegation. So if you're a team right at the bottom, then also you don't have any ma massive incentive to fight other than maybe to look for you know rosier contracts in the future. So yeah, I mean it's a shame because effectively in a 90-match league, you know maybe about 50% uh, of the remaining matches will all be irrelevant. Absolutely. Now uh, going to Tejas at te the Tejas 98, he says. Does Indian transfer window ever open or close? <laughs> it's an interesting one. Even I have no idea because it's, it's meant to be along the global transfer window. It is. Yeah. And uh, at least in the olden days when there was a longer NFL or an I-League uh, transfer, you used to happen pretty much alongside the international window. So most teams would look to refresh their team around this time, around January or so. Um, uh, but I guess ISL probably have, has its own internal rules, maybe for loaning and. Yeah. So uh, it, it internally they can transfer exactly um, a player within the club with off the transfer window also. Yeah. And you can bring in I think only during the January and uh, the summer transfer window from yeah. you know another team. But I think if you are a free agent, you yeah. are eligible to sign. So that that's part. what explains a lot of these signings which have been happening out of the blue. And I mean to be fair, uh, like I said before, many of the ISL clubs are not really used to the longer league system so maybe with injuries piling up and everything coaches often have to change their tack I mean a good example is ATK a good example now is Delhi yeah so they're just having to change their plans you know look for the nearest available striker and, <laughs> and try and yeah. get them I'm just glad that we promised that we'll tell them the last time we had a conversation about how they transferred Alfaro okay. and we were able to deliver so <laughs> how did you find out uh, I spoke to BFC people <laughs> uh, yeah. so uh, then the last question is from the ISL independent yeah he wants to know how long can Kerala afford to stick with David James? Fans have turned, players lack direction and uh, he lacks ideas. It's a statement. True. And uh, I mean, I guess last year to an extent uh, they couldn't have done much about him because uh, all said and done they had a good season. They came very close to getting into the playoffs. But this season has been a little bit of a mixed bag again. So, yeah, I think it will all depend on the results. If they are not able to make the playoffs, maybe there will be a call on him sooner or later. Um, See, he brings with him uh, a little bit of personality. He's also grown a pretty impressive moustache this year. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, looking a bit uh, like a Spanish adult film star. But oh, I was, go I was just going <laughs> to say Mexican porn star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, close enough. Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he brings a little bit of personality. He's obviously a big name. So in that sense, in terms of marketability, it's, it's not a bad peg for either the Kerala Blasters or for the ISL to have. But yes, beyond the stage, you have to look at the results. If he's not giving results, sometimes I think we look a little bit too much into style. And mm -hmm. you know, a good example of that is maybe Stephen Constantine. That if he's delivering results, then there's no reason to change him. And that's what AIF probably felt when they renewed his last contract. But if uh, Kerala refused to produce results, then at some stage they will have to take a call. Yeah. 
and fundamentally because the last two seasons have been actually the real season in the ISL for mm. Kerala Blasters. Do you think there is a problem, right? Maybe they are structure-wise or the long-term planning because Mullenstein came in that didn't end well. He went slagging a lot of players, uh, Sandesh being one of them. Yeah. There is unrest at that time. Then yeah. Berbatov left with a lot of problems. Yeah. And now you have results are not matching. So yeah. is there maybe they need to look at it in a different way? Yeah, and again it boils down to this that a lot of these promoters, a lot of these owners, they are not really sure about how to run a football team and the only team which has expertise in that to an extent is BFC. So they are reaping the rewards for that. Uh, another good example is Goa because what they've done is kind of, you know, done away with the old philosophy and they've given uh, Sergio Lobera a lot of pass. They've said that, you know, you play the team the way that you want, you play whichever team you want. So either you've got to invest full faith in your manager and allow him to build a philosophy right from scratch or you've got to take that call yourself and build the team around that philosophy that you have. So at the moment, Kerala Blasters lack that philosophy. Quite evidently, it's uh, a little bit of hit and hope football, which doesn't work. I mean, it can work in bits and pieces, but through 90 minutes of an entire season, all games, it, it's unlikely to pull off every time. How many of those uh, foreigners do you think David James actually wanted? <laughs> because Lovera gets yeah. the players that he wants. So yeah. does uh, Carlos Guardet and now Joseph Gambio also. Yeah, it will be a very interesting question to ask uh, David James because I'm sure he personally would uh, want to bring in a lot more uh, English players with us. Um, I mean, I, do they have a single Englishman right now? I don't think so. Largely Scandinavian or the Balkan belt. Yeah, yeah. so th I mean, they've had English players in the past and this year they've, you know, done away with that. So clearly there's something maybe in that team management which is uh, pulling in the different direction and I think they've just got to sort out getting their uh, recruitments right and maybe it should start with the manager. <laughs> okay, uh, so I think that's about all we have this for this week. Uh, you can find us Injury Time IND on Twitter. You can find the podcast on almost all platforms that are available. You can follow Devine on Twitter as well. Uh, mine also... Okay, forget mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no I pet peeves for today? One pet peeve. Come on. One pet peeve. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know you've been like... Uh, yeah, I mean... You've been scared into not uh, speaking out, but... Yes, if I go ahead someone... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feel like David James. So, uh, yeah, again, Kerala. This is very simple. You... I know they played in a different formation than they used to, players in different different places. But if you are a left-sided midfielder, even when you play, even when we play on the shops, sure. small thing, you kind of stick to the left side, right? Why is everybody just running around like headless chicken? Mm -hmm. That is this this week's pet peeve. So if you just go and watch the video, they just keep. Uh, Samad, I think, was asked to play on the left. Yeah. But he was used to playing on the center, so he's. I have a different theory on it, but please continue. But that's more for five sides. Like okay, I yeah. prefer left-sided players to actually play on the right. So he can cut in and shoot. Exactly. I always tell players to try and play as inverted, you know, wingers or mm -hmm. whatever, because I just think uh, from a goalkeeper's per uh, perspective, because I sometimes keep goal as well. That is, I'd rather have a left-sided player coming from the left because I know exactly exactly what he's trying to do but if he's coming from the right he could you know take any yeah, of yeah. Uh, two options he could either cross or he could go straight for goal it's so. interesting i play <laughs> i'm a right right footer i play on the left side so i guess it makes sense in that sense. Okay. anyway thank you so much Rebain, and uh, thank you so much uh, for coming and hopefully we'll have a lot more chats over coffee like this early morning on mondays so uh, please you know like subscribe and uh, enjoy the game this is for coming week we'll be back next week